Welcome back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. As we prepare for Consecration Day, it's just around the corner. We are on day number 20 of 33 Days to Morning Glory. Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster are here in the studio with me today. Today's title is called A Consecration Covenant. We are on page 78 is where it begins of Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It is a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration. You can get your copy of these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. So yesterday, Father Gately said we needed to get ready for our consecration to Mary by learning to recognize all the blessings that will start pouring in. Today, we're going to shift gears a bit. So we'll be preparing for consecration day by reflecting on how serious a commitment Marian consecration really is. This is a really important part of our preparation because the more seriously we take it, the more seriously the Mother of God will take it. And Mother Teresa will be particularly helpful to us today, for she took her consecration to Mary very seriously. And part of this reason Mother Teresa took her consecration so seriously has to do with her roots in Albanian culture. A key word in this culture is the word besa. This literally translated means faith, but its more complete meaning is word of honor and to keep one's promise. Mother Teresa explains that Besa means, even if you've killed my father and the police are after you, if I have given you my word, then even if the police kill me, still I will not disclose your name. Wow, that's, that's Besa. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, to the mind of Mother Teresa, if you give your word to someone, you give yourself. Indeed, Besa has a sacred character like a vow or an oath or a covenant. Let's reflect on that last word, covenant. This is how Mother Teresa described her consecration to Mary. It's a word that has rich biblical meaning. It describes the bond of relationship between God and his people throughout salvation history. Such a bond is more than a contract, as scripture scholar Dr. Scott Hahn explains. And we quote, A major difference between contracts and covenants may be discovered in their very distinctive forms of exchange. A contract is an exchange of property in the forms of goods and services. That is mine and that is yours. Whereas a covenant calls for the exchange of persons. I am yours and you are mine, creating a shared bond of interpersonal communion. So another feature of a covenant is that it usually entails certain rights and obligations. So, for example, in a marital covenant, a husband and a wife, they have the right to enjoy one another in the spousal embrace of self-giving love, but they also have the obligation to care for and support one another in good times and bad. Mother Teresa also understood her covenant of consecration with Mary as having certain rights and obligations. And she communicated this Marian spirituality to her religious family, the Missionaries of Charity. Father Joseph Langford of the Missionary of Charities, inspired by Mother Teresa's teaching on the covenant of consecration, spells out the details of a Missionary of Charities' rights and duties in her relationship with Mary, listing 12 corresponding rights and duties. The list begins significantly with Mary having the duty to give her spirit and heart and ends with each missionary of charity having the right to enter into Mary's heart and share in her interior life. So the two bookends of this covenant with Mary are Mother Teresa's two prayers that we learned about earlier. Lend me your heart and keep me in your pure heart. 
everything in between is simply the terms of the relationship. Let's include, then, by pondering the Missionaries of Charity's Consecration Covenant with Mary, beginning with its introductory paragraph, and that reads as such, Moved by an ardent desire to live in the closest union with you possible in this life, so as to more surely and fully arrive at union with your Son, I hereby pledge to live the spirit and terms of the following covenant of consecration as faithfully and generously as I am able. Now we have a list here of 12 items. One side of the list is Mary's duty with the corresponding our duties. Julie and Mary Beth, will you please read that list to us with Julie reading Mary's duties and Mary Beth reading my duties? So the first of Mary's duties, uh, as we just heard you read, Mary Graham, is to give of her spirit and heart. And so my duty is to respond as a total gift of all I have and am. The second of Mary's duties is to possess, protect, and transform me. So I become totally dependent on her. The third of Mary's duties is to inspire, guide, and enlighten me. I respond to her spirit. The fourth of Mary's duties is to share her experience of prayer and praise. I must be faithful to prayer. The fifth of Mary's duties is the responsibility for my sanctification. I need to trust in her intercession. The sixth of Mary's duties is the responsibility for all that befalls me, accepting all as coming from her. The seventh of Mary's duties is to share with me her virtues. I should imitate her spirit. The eighth of Mary's duties is to provide for my spiritual and material needs. I should have constant recourse to her. The ninth of Mary's duties is union with her heart, remembrance of her presence. The tenth of Mary's duties is to purify me and my actions. I should have purity of intentions and self-denial. The eleventh of Mary's duties is the right to dispose of me, of my prayers and intercessions and graces. The right to avail myself of her and her energies for the sake of the kingdom. The twelfth of Mary's duties is the total freedom in and around me, as she pleases in all things. And the right to enter into her heart to share her interior life. Now, that's a lot to remember if we're better at maybe maintaining these lists in our heads instead of needing pencil and paper, we'd have it down. But since we're not in that mode here in our culture, you can find this list on 33daystomorningglory.com. It's also posted in the photo section of our podcast. Julie, what's our prayer for the day? We close out today pondering this prayer. Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to ardently make a covenant of consecration with Mary. Amen. I am so glad that they went into Scott Hahn's discussion on covenant because that that is... And that's footnote 75 on page 79 that you're referring to when we quoted Scott Hahn. Yes, it's, it's referring to a book called A Father Who Keeps His Promises, and it's God's covenant love in Scripture. I'm not sure I have ever understood the word covenant better than reading his his work on covenant. And it's so beautifully um, just explained in a little excerpt. I mean, I can't recommend that book enough. Um, trying to understand covenant, contract, how we give um, exchange goods versus exchanging oneself, and, and just understanding how deeply meaningful this word BESA was for Mother Teresa in her culture, and that she, she was, when she decided to give herself to Mary, that was the oath. I mean, this wasn't something so lighthearted, and I don't believe that our culture in America today has that sense 
of just really understanding the covenant, like especially in marriage. We don't. And, and marriage is the primary way that I think Scott Hahn has really spent his entire adult life teaching on is how the covenant is an exchange of persons versus a contract is an exchange for goods and services. And I think even one of his talks, he uses the analogy, it's the difference between prostitution and a sacramental marriage. And when we think of goods and services versus an exchange of persons, it's easy to see how in our culture many marriages fail because the contract has not worked out. You know, if a husband and wife entered into a secular marriage with a contract mindset, okay, well, I'll do this for you until you do this for me, it's easy to see how that's going to be over real soon and not long-lasting. But when you go into a marriage from a sacramental mentality with the word covenant in mind, I am all yours, you are all mine, that it's really a radically different thing. Well, and I know that there are definitely scenarios where couples have to separate and and do do so for the good of of maybe the safety or something in that category. But in general, when we do get married, just the mindset that divorce is not in our it's not even in the equation like when we when we have conflicts it's not even in the in the language and in the fight um, when you start out with two people having that ground rule it's amazing how your conflicts which inevitably do happen don't go down an uglier road but when you throw out that d word because you, it's so lighthearted our our commitment sometimes with just what we verbally say and not really mean what we say I, I think it's just a good, just meditating on Mother Teresa's, um, you know, words here and, and her understanding of, of covenant was, was huge for me. We're going to explore those a lot more in the questions, Mary Beth, and really just go through that chart that is uh, really great for us to meditate on with Mary's duties to us and our duties to her. If you would like to join in the dialogue with us during this retreat, you can visit 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. And just comment in the comment sections there. You can give your own answers to the questions. If you have questions that you need answer, you can certainly post them there as well. You can also do it at the Real Life Radio podcast site. If you're not sure where you are or how you got there, simply visit Real Life Radio and and look for the podcast link. Our weekly prayer is the Memorari. Please join me in praying. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. We're going to take a short break here. And after this break, we are going to get back to the discussion questions that are in the 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion. You can get your copy of the retreat materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers 33daystomorningglory.com. And I want to remind you that if you want to do a group study, you can do a virtual study with friends from anywhere throughout the world or in your own church community. They also have a DVD series that goes along with the retreat companions that we're using. You can get all of that at 33daystomorningglory.com. We'll be right back on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
Life Radio's Living Witnesses as we continue on this journey. We are on day 20 of our retreat of preparation for consecration to our Lord through Our Lady. And we are using Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's time now that we tackle the retreat companion, which has four questions a day that you think about and meditate throughout the day. The purpose of this retreat is to focus your day on God, to focus your day on Christ. Let's get right into question number one on page 81 of the companion. The seriousness of consecration is compared, indeed almost equated with, the idea of covenant. Giving your word is giving yourself in Mother Teresa's explanation. Covenant, in biblical terms, makes you a member of the person's family relationships. Imagine yourself living with Mary in Nazareth. What would you talk about? How would you relate to Jesus, her son? What would you change in your behavior and your demeanor? How would your thoughts change? Kind of was humorous for me with trying to imagine myself living with Mary and Jesus and Joseph and what would I talk about? <laughs> I can tell you that I'm not sure I, I would I even think I'd say shut anything. Up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> but on a more serious note, just the piece about when it looks at covenant in biblical terms and making a member of, of a person's family relationship. When we are married, we take on our husband's name. When we adopt a child, that child becomes our family, our, it takes on our name. And these are two really significant um, I- examples for us that we can see the depth of the biblical um, and in ancient times how deep the word covenant was and, and of course, understanding Old Testament salvation history. Again, I, I think yesterday I mentioned the movie by Ignatius Press, Mary of Nazareth, and how watching that movie gave me tremendous visual insight into how did the Holy Family relate to each other, and how, what did they say, and how did they act. And I was really struck, again, by how, I think, verbal I am throughout the day versus Mary, how much more she pondered, as we talked about yesterday, pondered things in her heart. If you were to imagine yourself living back in Nazareth with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, I think we often know that they would have looked like any other family, possibly from the outside, the the home that they lived in. We know that Joseph was worked with his hands. Uh, sometimes in art, he's portrayed as, as a carpenter, but I think the real work he did was more manual labor type of an insight. So, you know, did he come home from a hard day, physically exhausted? Did Mary have dinner ready? You know, did Joseph, did Jesus play with the other children? I, I love turning those around in my head, and that's a really great form of prayer. That's an Ignatian way to pray, is to visualize yourself in these uh, scenarios. But I'll tell you what, being around them, I know for sure I would clean up my act. <laughs> well, and it is, it, it, we can say, you know, well, they didn't have sin, so that's, you know, one thing. Except but, Joseph. Yeah, exactly. But but the interesting thing about when you contemplate Jesus, the God-man, and, you know, even though he was without sin, he chose to take on the heart of, of a human person with all the emotions and all the things, the fatigue, the hunger, every single thing that we feel and we get ir- he had that uh, as part of communicating with us and being one of us. What about the, the things that you talk about? I, I like pondering that idea. Would we, <laughs> I can imagine, you know, that there was a great amount of prayer in the Holy Family, that they recited the Psalms and, and knew the Old Testament scriptures. 
would that be a bigger part of their dinnertime conversation versus, you know, what the neighbor lady next door was doing or, or uh, something like that? I, I don't know. I, I love turning that around in my mind, though, more because I know there's a great quote that um, you want to strive to not talk about people but to talk about things and ideas. That's always been kind of a guideline for me that's been on our refrigerator for a long time. And I can guarantee that the Holy Family would have been talking about bigger things, you know, the, the love of God and, and how much God had blessed them and, and those kinds of things. And probably what they could do to help save souls. Yes, and how they could help their neighbors, how they <laughs> yes. could help, you know, those kinds of things. Who's in need in, in the town, and, and what can we do? But I also think Jesus would be totally engaged in the culture as far as um, what our, uh, you know, just what we're dealing with, with from the social media aspect or whatever. So if you envision him sitting around the table, I mean, he probably might have been quoting scripture, but I think he would be concerned about some of the things. And, you know, he'd be talking sports, and he would be talking things that uh, interest all of us, and but just showing us probably the right way to do it. Let's move on to question number two. Looking at the chart on page 114, you can also look at this chart at 33daystomorningglory.com. Choose two of Mary's duties to you that you consider most important, ones that you believe will make you secure in her care and bring you to a high holiness. Explain what these two duties mean to you and what they entail insofar as your daily life is concerned. What are you expecting Mary to do exactly? We've said it on previous podcasts, Mary, but of course we're not theologians of any sort. We're just, you know, mm-hmm. lay people giving our answers to this, and every everyone's answer would vary on this particular question. But I'll tell you, in my life right now, I would really count on her uh the, the duty number three of Mary's duties to inspire and, and guide and enlighten me. We have so many decisions we have to make about our children and our business and um, our aging parents and, and just really to have that light in my mind of, of how we should act and what we should do going forward would be a tremendous thing I'd like to ask Our Lady as I make the, as I prepare to make the consecration. One of the duties that I, that stuck out for me was um, Mary's duty to possess, protect, and transform me, which would simultaneously require me to have total dependence on her. And that's something that I feel is probably one of the greatest barriers for me with um, growing in my holiness and that succumbing to this or, or truly embracing it, I should I say, that Mary's there and ready to, to totally turn me into the kind of wife and mother that I want to be, but that I have to let, stop trying to control it myself and have this dependence on her. I say I find it hard to really just narrow it down to two. I read each and every one and I think, yeah, that would be good. Oh, yeah, I need that one too. Oh, I really need to work in that area. <laughs> I do too, Mary. I, I agree. I think all 12 of them are there for a reason. Uh, number 10 really jumped out at me also, to purify me in my actions. Mm-hmm. And then my response, my duty to Mary, number 10, would be the purity of intention and self-denial. And I've really been struggling with self-denial lately. Just how do you give up those little things that you might mm-hmm. enjoy as a as a response of love to God, you know, to enter into His suffering and so I I want that purity of intention that Mary can give us, and I want to do my actions with holiness, and yet 
I know everything we do throughout every day is two-sided. You know, yes, we might go help a neighbor who's sick, but, oh, you know, maybe maybe somebody will know about that and they'll think I'm a better mm-hmm. person. Or that kind of mess right. gets in the middle of it. What do you think high holiness means? It's right there, it's to secure in her care and bring you to high holiness. What does that mean to you? Well, the first thing that jumps out of me, just that word high holiness, would be the saints. Obviously, Mary, the highest of holiness. And one of the great blessings in my life is I've always had an attraction to the saints, and I've always tried to read a lot about them and and learn how they lived. And John Paul II did such a great benefit to the church in canonizing so many everyday saints. I'm thinking of doctors and married people and more recent saints, people who lived through World War II. And as I have read through their lives, they had all the same stuff we have. They had the same Mm -hmm. joys, similar joys, similar difficulties, and yet it was all in their reaction to those daily challenges through God's grace with Mary's intercession that they reached that high holiness. And they were able to do things that were naturally impossible because they had that supernatural grace. And in in one way, I really think of the saints as our true superheroes because they had the supernatural graces and and availed themselves to them to grow in in those holiness. Does that sound like what you're asking? Yes, it does. (laughs) That makes me wonder if the superhero phenomena was actually a spinoff of the saints. They were first. I like it, Julie. That's good. Well, I think so, because (laughs) if anybody has little boys, you know superheroes Uh are a huge piece of it. And what is a superhero? A superhero is someone who has an extraordinary power or ability, Batman, Superman, Captain America, all of those guys. And it is a yearning in our heart. We want to be better than we are. I wish I was a cartoonist. I'd have a new superhero series on the way now, but I don't have that skill. (laughs) Super saints. (laughs) Super saints. We are coming up on break time right now as we continue our preparation for consecration to Our Lord through Our Lady. Coming up, we are going to hear questions number three and four from the Retreat Companion on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Remember, most gracious Yeah. 
Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Mary Beth Finster, and Julie Musselman. We are continuing on day 20 of our retreat as we prepare for consecration to, to our Lord through Our Lady. Question number three, choose two of your duties to Mary, ones that are significant to you or that you believe will really challenge you or help you to remain focused on the glory of her son alone. What is the challenge or help that is embedded in those? The two that jumped out at, for me was five of under the section, my duties, trust in her intercession and 10, purity of intention and self-denial. I find these two things would, are probably central to what I think we all need to do as Christians. I mean, how often do we do things for the right intention, even good things? What is our ulterior mold motive? And I think in, in everything we do, there's probably tainted, a little tainted in something, part of it. And, and then just that trust. I mean, Jesus, I trust in you. Just the word trust. Once you put some, trust someone completely, I think a lot of things end up spiraling from that in a very good way. And I pick up, we're looking again at the chart on page 80 with uh, listing the 12 duties of Mary to us and our 12 duties uh, back to Mary, how much I need to depend on her. This is the second of the duties that she's going to possess, protect, and transform me, and I'm going to depend on her. And number four kind of just follows up along with that. My duty is, in number four is faithfulness to prayer and trying to really make that habit more of a habit, make that daily prayer, and make that my go-to place where I can ask Mary's intercession for me and, and depend on her and, and then imitate her spirit, which is also number seven in prayer, because we know she would have had a great deal of prayer as she pondered things in her heart. And as we have that imitating of her spirit, then that's when number seven, she's going to share with me her virtues. So very challenging stuff here. And, and we want to point out that always Mary is pointing to her son. So all of these things that we imitate with her and as we ch- exchange our duties and rights and responsibilities, all to the glory of God. My pastor once gave a wonderful homily, and he was talking about a masterful musician um, that practiced all the time. And when he w- would use this analogy, if he stopped practicing for one day, he would notice. And if he stopped practicing for two days, his close family and friends would notice. If he stopped practicing for three days, his audience would notice. And I really use that as kind of a great way in, case, in days when I might miss my, my prayer, at least to the level where it's, it's more rich and full, that I, I try never to let it go more than three days because then everybody starts to, they just notice it in you, not that you're not praying, but just I, I become more irritable, I'm short-tempered, I'm not focused. Um, it just grounds me to stay in that r- routine and habit of hearing God's Word. The, the gift of confession is also there. If you're on a regular schedule of confession, a, a good benchmark is monthly, and you haven't been a little mm-hmm. bit farther than your monthly time, <laughs> the family notices that too. Yeah. <laughs> too, Julie, as you mentioned, the faithfulness to prayer. It's very important that we remember to engage our kids in in these prayers. Have a time where you sit down as a group and have, you can have your little prayer service at home and your meditation and your examine with your kids. They don't have to give answers. Let them journal it or, or even just ponder it in their heart themselves. 
And Mary, what's so nice about this podcast is that even for some of your kids that maybe because of their studies or where they are in life, they may not sit down and read this book at this point. It's so nice to be able to play it in the car um, and, and whatever time if you download it onto your phone and then your kids hear a piece of it. My daughter was listening to it yesterday as we were driving to one of our sporting events. Again, she can't get out of the car so and I and I control the station. mother. <laughs> but you know what? She did ask me a question about it and you know what? It may be Good. 10 years before she picks up the book. I don't know. I'm certainly mm-hmm. encouraging. Two of my daughters have done the consecration, my older two. So, um, you know, there's always just planting those seeds. So this has been a great way. Thank you. We did do the consecration as a family, but again, it wasn't because the kids were excited to do the consecration. So they've read through it, but I'm waiting for the day when they, when they in their hearts say, yes, I want to do this too. And they mm-hmm. make that true consecration, but they've got the, they've got the information at least once. Let's move on to question number four. The Missionaries of Charity Consecration Covenant Prayer, which is on page 80 of 33 Days to Morning Glory, speaks of the ardent desire to live in close union with Mary, with the goal of union with Jesus. How does reading this prayer intensify the coming moment of consecration for you? Does it bring to you a deepening sense of generosity involved in consecration? What does this mean to you? Let's start off by rereading that, just so we have it firmly in our mind as we're discussing this question. The prayer of the Missionaries of Charity on page 80 of the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, is this. Moved by an ardent desire to live in the closest union with you possible in this life, so as to more surely and fully arrive at union with your Son, I hereby pledge to live the spirit and terms of the following covenant of consecration as faithfully and generously as I am able. So as you were asking the question, Mary, does it bring to you a deepening sense of generosity involved in the consecration? I I do feel like it does. And one of the words that kind of jumped out at me as I was reading the Missionary Charity Prayer is, I hereby pledge. You know, we don't often pledge. We pledge allegiance, you know, but what does that mean to pledge? And it is it is a vow or a duty or, a, a, you know, as we were talking about the word from Mother Teresa, Besa, yesterday, a covenant where we're going to be in this together and continue to move through it. And so it is a great generosity on our part to, first of all, want this and then to accord our lives to act towards it. And I have found, um, just diving into Mother Teresa a little more, has is really helped with my understanding of just this. And, and a fabulous book is called Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It's a personal portrait by Leo Mossberg. It's by Ignatius Press. And they have 50 inspiring stories that um, you may not have ever heard before. And it's such a wonderful book. And it really just helps you to, you know, if you may not get all of this, especially some, even that prayer can seem a little bit confusing and kind of tie you up a little bit, diving more into Mother Teresa and just reading about her life um, has been so helpful for really, you know, not getting it at first. I've enjoyed that every single week. Uh, I'm a pretty voracious reader, and that book in particular by Father Leo Mossberg has been tremendously helpful to me and my husband, getting to know the person at the same time that I'm doing the preparation for consecration with Father Gately really just fulfills out their whole identity to me. I got to read a lot about Maximilian Colby on that week, and and Mother Teresa read several books about her life and times. And along with what Father Gately is teaching us here, I think when you just 
really just understand them better. It's a tremendous blessing to go forward with each of these saints because these saints are guiding us. They're praying for us. They're interceding us. These are real live people that are in heaven. And so as we're consecrating, when we rely on their help all the more, it's just a tremendous blessing. And I think it allows us to make the consecration that much deeper. I'm still trying to digest how you're able to read these extra books. Well, I don't cook or clean. That's the problem. (laughs) Well, that makes life easier. If you give up all that, you got a lot more time. (laughs) That's great. No, it's, I mean, we joke about it, but we do have to make time to do these important things. And um, I don't get to read as much as I would like, but when I do pick up something, I don't pick up, the, the Daily Times, you know, the newspaper, mm-hmm. I pick up something from eternity, the saints and the Bible and right. that kind of thing. So it's how you use your time, too. I have to say, I did have a, I had a moment in time where it was wonderful. The kids rode the bus and I had to drive my car to the bus stop. And at the time I thought, you drive right past my house. Why can't you drive another mile and stop at my house instead of making me drive to the bus stop? But I found that during that time, I read so many books because you had to be there before the bus got there. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. No, I'd I'd arrive early. I'd arrive early. To wait. Yes, to wait on the kids. And if I finished something up, maybe sometimes I was there 30 or 45 minutes early because it just made more sense to sit there and wait and read than to go home and... Got it. Well, and you have to... If you have a book at the ready, it's amazing how much time you can find to read it. That's the key. Yes. You've got to have something to your go-to when you do have to wait or have a minute downtime. Carving out time is such a big, important part of all of this because when we really look at the time we spend doing different things, it's not all about just being at Mass and praying all day long. It, it certainly we're in the world and we're, we're doing things, but I do find that th- that ability to carve out time is there when you st- I mean, you look at the Internet alone. Every time you go past your computer, how often do we get stopped on the, on the, the front page or we go to this website right. or, and you get sidetracked and then it ends up being 15 minutes or you're answering 10 emails. One of the things that I did recently at the beginning of the year, you know, when you clean out your house, New Year resolution and all that, is I unsubscribed to emails that I knew were not leading me any closer to God. Time you know, sucks. Yeah. Free shipping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't click it. <laughs> well, and we, and we have to do that. And I think when we were talking about the examination of conscience that we can do each night, that leads into this, too, is let's look at how are we spending our time during the day. Are we spending it in a good way? If we had to log in what we did for every waking moment, what would that look like? And is it good use of time? Is it fulfilling our duties for our vocation as uh, married people and, and mothers? Or is it, you know, frivolous? Is it, is it, is it taking away from our life's goals and purpose. If we were in Jesus's home, would we behave differently? How many of us would behave differently if just another person in our home? Yes. We do need to wrap up for the four-hour questions for the 33 Days for Morning Glory section of our podcast. Still to come, we are going to take a look at St. Louis de Montfort's spirituality for this stage of the retreat. It is ramping up pretty good here. We've got some pretty serious readings and and meditations that we do do with him. We'll also rehash these questions so you can think about these questions as we listen to the prayers that St. Louis de Montfort prayed that have been put to 
great music. They've been sung by some very talented Christian artists. of our program now where we look at St. Louis de Montfort's spirituality. He's beginning what is referenced as the second week. He has 12 days of preparation, the first week, and then the second week. So we're in his second week of preparation. His theme for the week, knowledge of the Blessed Virgin, acts of love, pious affection for the Blessed Virgin, imitation of her virtues, especially her profound humility, her lively faith, her blind obedience, her continual mental prayer, her mortification in all things. Her surprising purity, her ardent charity, her heroic patience, her angelic sweetness, and her divine wisdom. There being, St. Louis de Montfort says, the ten principal virtues of the Blessed Virgin. We must invite ourselves to Jesus through Mary. This is the characteristic of our devotion. Therefore, St. Louis de Montfort asks that we employ ourselves in inquiring a knowledge of the Blessed Virgin. Mary is our sovereign and our mediatrix, our mother and our mistress. Let us then endeavor to know the effects of this royalty, of this meditation, of the maternity, as well as the grandeurs and prerogatives, which are the foundation or consequences thereof. Our mother is also a perfect mold, wherein we are to be molded in order to make her intentions and dispositions ours. This we cannot achieve without studying the interior life of Mary, namely her virtues, her sentiments, her actions, her participation in the mysteries of Christ, and her union with Him. Next, for St. Louis, we read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 16 through 21, and again, verses 45 through 52. His prayers for this week begin once again with the Litany of the Holy Ghost. Next for St. Louis de Montfort is, is the Litany of Laredo or the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And let's ponder the first two questions as we listen to that song. Imagine yourself living with Mary in Nazareth. What would you talk about? How would you relate to Jesus, her son? What would you change in your behavior and your demeanor? How would your thoughts change? And question number two, looking at the chart on page 114 in 33 Days to Morning Glory, you can also see it posted at the 33 Days to Morning Glory website or on the podcast page of this podcast. Choose two of Mary's duties to you that you consider most important, ones that you believe will make you secure in her care and bring you to high holiness. Explain what these two duties mean to you and what they entail in so far as your daily life is concerned. What are you expecting Mary to do exactly?
is Donna Corey Gibson. You can get her music at DonnaCoreyGibson.com. That's DonnaCoreyGibson.com. We're going to now listen to Marion Grace, and her music is available at LoveGoodMusic.com as we listen to Ave Maria Stella and ponder questions number three and four. Number three, choose two of your duties to marry, ones that are significant to you or that you believe will really challenge you or help you to remain focused on the glory of her son alone. What is the challenge or help that is embedded in those duties? And number four, take a look at the Missionary of Charity's Covenant Prayer, which is on page 80 of 33 Days to Morning Glory. How does reading this prayer intensify the coming moment of consecration for you? Does it bring to you a deepening sense of generosity involved in consecration? What does this mean to you? Hail, bright star of ocean, God's own mother blessed ever since.
Supported radio station. We would love to have you join our team. You can do that by donating right here on our podcast page or visiting our website, realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. And if you'd like to get a copy of these retreat materials that we're using, you can visit 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We'll be back tomorrow with Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Uh-huh.